There are times when you know in the moment that history is happening. Usually, those aren't good times. My generation watched the Challenger explode on TVs while we sat in school. Years later, the horrors of Columbine played out on TV too. So did the second plane as it went into the tower. You watch enough and you can start to think that history is a thing that happens elsewhere on TV and we are witnesses on the other side of the screen. But that's not how Karen Kegelman thinks about history. Not at all. There is a quote by the author James Baldwin that I've been using in a lot of our letters for a couple of years, where he says the great force of history comes from the fact that we carry it within us, are unconsciously controlled by it in many ways, and history is literally present in all that we do. And that last line, like everything we do, history is literally present in every little thing we do at the Delaware Historical Society every day. History, very specifically Delaware history, is at the heart of the Delaware Historical Society's mission to educate people of all ages and interest levels, from its National History Day contest for students to concerts and lectures inside Old Town Hall and the Delaware History Museum. Plus, they've got lots of cool stuff. I've been down in the vault, and it's fun. Dr. James Tilton was the first like, Secretary of the Treasury of the state of Delaware. And I found out that we had letters in the research library written to Dr. Tilton by Alexander Hamilton. And they're signed, Your Obedient Servant, A. Hamilton. And I actually held it in my hand. It was really cool. They use their collection to paint a vivid picture of Delaware's past. You should really stop by sometime. Well, you know, when that's the thing people are doing again. But there's a time that most civilians don't think about when they consider history. The future. For a real historian, time stretches in two unknown directions. And there's a dual mission. What can I learn from what's been left behind? And what can I leave behind to explain the present to the future? Years ago, I read a couple of excerpts from a diary of a man who wrote about, you know, daily things during the Great Depression. And I don't know why it hadn't hit me before, but it was just sort of a light bulb went off when I read this, that he doesn't know how the depression's going to end while he's writing this. But we, the readers, know how it ended. And that's another example of how you're living through history. Like, none of us really know how this is going to end. None of us really know how this is going to end. We live at a unique moment right now. History isn't unfolding on a screen. It's literally present in every little thing we do. And the Delaware Historical Society has a plan to capture it. It's called Rapid Response Collecting. And they want you to be a part of it. From Short Order Production House in Wilmington, Delaware, this is The Other Side, a podcast about how people are adapting and innovating and sometimes just surviving during this time of pandemic and isolation. I'm Matt Sullivan, and we'll be right back with more from Karen and the Delaware Historical Society right after this word about the Food Bank of Delaware. So last year, in 2019, the Food Bank distributed more than 8 million pounds of food to families in need. That's incredible. This year, in one month after the pandemic started, they gave away 2 million pounds of food. That's math that's simple enough even for me. Those heroes on the front lines are working at triple speed, but they can't do it without you. Learn more about how you can help fight food insecurity right here in Delaware on the Food Bank's website at fbd.org. You can give your time, your money, your voice, they all matter. That's fbd.org. 
You can be a hero to someone in need. Now back to the show. Karen Kegelman works in the Advancement and Communications Department at the Delaware Historical Society, but she's had her eye on history for many years, especially the history that's not likely to end up in your fourth grade history books. I think what informed that for me was my personal experience after 9-11. I kept a handwritten journal, and there were a lot of things that I recorded that aren't really known nationally. And I don't know if you remember, but when I took my children out for Halloween in October of 2001, all of the, um, not all of them, but a lot of jack-o'-lanterns were New York themed, like had NYC or Yankees, logos carved into them. I even remember at Christmas time, Michael Christopher Salon on Pennsylvania Avenue. The front windows were all filled with trees that were lit in red, white, and blue. And that's kind of a cool thing that I knew, because I'm such a history person, that I would have wanted, like, if I hadn't lived at that time, I would want to know that that was the kind of thing that was happening. Here's what was happening this year. On Thursday, March 12th, there was an emergency meeting inside the Delaware Historical Society. And most likely there was an emergency meeting wherever you work, too. March 12th, 2020 will go down in history as a high watermark for emergency meetings. We were all really aware that this was a really historic time. I think, though, that we didn't realize, as we've all come to realize, how contagious the illness is. In those early weeks, Karen and the rest of the team set about documenting what they were seeing. Everywhere I went, I was taking photos, like when I went to Giant, of the empty shelves and things that I had just never really seen before. When I read that Dogfish Head was making hand sanitizer, I shot off an email to them right away and said, hey, when you have a minute, could you send us one for the collection? Because that's something that, you know, in the future, 25 years from now, people are going to say, what? You know, all our local breweries stopped production and made hand sanitizer? Like, unless you see that, that's something that's hard to believe. But it quickly became apparent that the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020 was a story that required many voices to tell. And so the Delaware Historical Society created a website called the COVID Chronicles and invited members of the general public to submit photos, poems, diary entries, songs anything, everything, Zoom meetings even, all to become part of a permanent Delaware Historical Society digital collection. People are the primary sources of history, and submissions have come in from almost every zip code in Delaware. They're good. Um, One of the first ones that I read was written by a woman in Newcastle whose family was really devastated by the Spanish flu in 1918. And she wrote that her mother had been sick. Her mother was 10 years old in 1918 and was a patient in the hospital along with her mother and some of her siblings. And the 10-year-old's mother died and her two-year-old sister died and she saw her mother's body taken from the hospital. And then subsequently, her eight-month-old brother died and her grandmother died. So within like a month, four or five people in their family had passed away. She did not take, <laughs> take this lightly. She ended her submission with, granted times have changed, but this new virus is as lethal as was the 1918 bug. For all our wealth, education, and advanced science, 
the pandemic has to run its course just as it did in 1918. Others came from teachers and students, sometimes as class assignments. And then there's a really nice submission from a teacher in Greenwood, Delaware. And she said, my heart has gone out to my students, especially my seniors. I work in an impoverished area where students often bounce around between households. I worry about them all the time and hope they know I love and care for them, even from a distance. As news about the COVID chronicles started to appear in the media, offers came in from other chroniclers looking to team up. Michelle Polston contacted us and said, hey, I've been working on some videos of people talking about the pandemic. Would you like to include them in your collection of COVID-19 stories? And we said, absolutely. This virus is not a respecter of person. Doesn't matter about your age, your race, your color, your socioeconomic status. My name is Dr. Margot Lewis Jaw. I'm a clinical psychologist in Wilmington, Delaware, and I survived COVID. I'm Kyle Evans Gay, and I'm a candidate now campaigning from home during COVID 19. I'm missing my social gatherings and hugging people and my friends. But a little known fact about me, I thrive in solitude. So I am low-key kind of enjoying a slower pace. I know it's really tough for business owners. We're all in the same boat, but we have different storms right now. All I can say is God bless technology. I'm so grateful for things like Zoom, you know, and for FaceTime and all of that. And it's funny how we've all sort of had to become like our own uh, technology resource. I have a newborn baby. Everybody wants to see this newborn baby. So what I've been doing, I've been doing basically a virtual baby book for him where we call them fence visits. People come over to our backyard, which is fenced in, and we can kind of control like how close up the baby it, it really has brought us to uh, brought us to our knees. I think social distancing is going to happen forever. I'm not going to sit here and act like it was easy. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's going to be easy going forward, but it's manageable. But then when you think of the alternatives, we know we've seen how many lives are lost to this. That puts it in perspective and that makes me go, you know what? I'm going to just binge some Netflix then. This is not the first pandemic that the Delaware Historical Society has faced head on. Old Town Hall, which is now part of our museum at the Delaware Historical Society, was owned by the Delaware Historical Society in 1918. During the pandemic, um, we had just bought it from the city to save it from the wrecking ball and were leasing it to the American Red Cross, who used it as their headquarters mm -hmm. for people making masks and making something called pneumonia jackets. 618 people died in the city of Wilmington in five weeks. They say history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And to test that theory, I put together a little sampling of newspaper quotes from those scary weeks in 1918, from September 25th to October 21st, and asked some of the folks I work with to help me out a little bit. There is no denying that there are quite a few cases of influenza in Wilmington and vicinity. A meeting of the board of directors of the Wilmington Country Club has been called, and the Country Club was offered to the city as an emergency hospital. Wilmington continues in the grip of the dread Spanish influenza. Yesterday, the malady struck the city with steam hammer force, sending men and women to their beds racked with pain and suffering. Under the ruling of the Board of Health, all schools, theaters, churches, saloons, and other places where people congregate have been closed. Every hospital is taxed to its utmost capacity. Every physician has a far greater number of cases than he's able to care for. 
With the saloons closed, a saturnalia has resulted from wholesale buying and drinking, and it should be stopped at once. Newspaper office telephones in this city used to be bombarded with, what's the score? But the question now shot over the office phones at brief intervals is, when will the closing order be lifted? Places closed during the influenza epidemic will be reopened the last of the present week by official order of the Board of Health. And, you know, I tried to research how did that pandemic end? And there is no clear answer. It, they, according to the CDC website, they think it mutated into a weaker virus that when people got it, it would just appear or have the same symptoms as a regular flu virus and it wasn't fatal. After that first wave in 1918, Spanish influenza returned to Delaware in a wave that was much deadlier than the first. Will COVID-19 play out that way or another way? Will our modern medicine be enough to ward off a second wave? When you're living inside history, you don't get to know how the story ends. That probably is the biggest lesson of history. I often hear on the news people say the word never. And I always scoff at that because I think never is a long time. I mean, when people say things will never go back to normal, I think that's, that's not accurate. Things went back to normal after the 1918 pandemic. It took a little while. Even one of my great uncles died from the Spanish flu in 1920. And one would think that by then it had ended, but there were still some cases then. Two years from now, if someone gets coronavirus, they're going to have a lot more knowledge about how to treat it than they do today. History may repeat, may rhyme, may go in a direction no one can expect. But for now, the COVID chronicles continue. I was one of the first people to submit something early on. I'm probably... Early April, I took a walk in Josephine Gardens right when the fountain had been reinstalled and had some good pictures from that day. It was a really sunny, beautiful day and realized, well, that's very much an early quarantine post. So I'm not sure when exactly we would close submissions because people will have something to say for quite a while. The Other Side is a project of Short Order Production House and hosted by me, Matt Sullivan. This episode was produced by Alexander Newman and sound mixed by Josh Johnson. And my thanks to the Short Order players you heard in there for their best old-timey voices, Hannah Geller, Christina Riley, Kim Magnus, Jason Prezant, and Zach Phillips. You can hear more about the COVID Chronicles and submit your own stories at dehistory.com. And seriously, someone submit a Zoom meeting because no one from the future will understand what our lives were like if they can't live that experience in real time. If you want more voices from the other side, you can hit subscribe wherever you hit subscribe for more podcasts. Sometimes it helps to search for The Other Side Delaware. And if you have ideas for interviews, let us know at theothersideshortorder.co. at shortorder.co. And remember, that's .co, not com. Remember the Food Bank of Delaware and all they're doing to help families in our community. Thanks to them. You can find out more at fbd.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the other side.